1 Samuel, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Let me highlight where we are thus far. So again, 2 Samuel chapter 6. If you start at the beginning of 2 Samuel and come up to the the chapter that we're at, Saul has um, been dead. He was king over Israel for 40 years, and now he has died. He died in battle, um, and there's um, kind of different... Um, chapters, the, the end of 1 Samuel kind of contradicts with 2 Samuel, it looks like, but it's basically two different accounts describing the death of Saul and Jonathan. But he is now dead, and David is now king in his place, and his headquarters is now Jerusalem. He was governing and reigning as king in Hebron, but now he has moved the capital spiritually and politically in Jerusalem. He took over the capital city, and he's proclaimed it as as the the capital of Israel. He has conquered the Philistines, if you will. The Philistines, they just keep bugging the Israelites. You you thought that they were probably defeated when Goliath was was taken down from David, but they still kept coming up. It's just like that that, that bratty sibling that won't go away, and just like, get out of here. And they they just keep coming up. And David finally defeats them, conquered the Philistines, and he brings back an important um, article of um, Judaism at that time, and it was the Ark of the Covenant. Has anybody ever heard of that? The Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God? If you've seen Indiana Jones, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Great movie. But he has now conquered the Philistines, and he's brought back the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. It's, It's pivotal because he's saying the Lord's presence is coming back to its capital after being in the hands of enemies for decades. David finally captures it, brings it back to Jerusalem. But we're going to actually read in chapter 6, it's their journey from getting the Ark of the Covenant and bringing it back to Jerusalem. Sounds pretty easy, right? But in this chapter, it's it's an interesting chapter of bringing back the Ark of God back to Jerusalem, and something happens along the way. Something happens along the way. And I've entitled this message for for today. Uh, Can someone click on my slide so I can, there we go. The title for today is A Good Thing the Wrong Way. A Good Thing the Wrong Way. And we actually can see that in our Christian faith as well, that we have good intentions, but sometimes it's the wrong way we do it, or the the wrong way that God has prescribed for us. So we're going to learn a valuable lesson why it never goes in our favor when we do things, even good things, godly things, our own way. When we take matters into our own hands, rather than doing just what God has told us to do, it usually never goes the right way. And it's going to be interesting, because it almost sounds like an oxymoron, like I'm doing a good thing, but why is it bad? Um, it's, it's sometimes the way God has told us to do it. So let's read 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1-11. through 11. And it's going to be an interesting chapter, because... Um, because they don't do something the right way, it actually costs somebody their life. So this is an interesting chapter. Let's, let's read. Verse 1. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them back to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart. If you can underline that phrase in any way or highlight it, do that. That phrase, new cart. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, 
great names, not Columbus, but Ohio, Abinadab's sons, they were guiding the cart that carried the Ark of God. Hopefully you guys got the Columbus joke. Okay. There you go. Ohio walked in front of the Ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs, playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cassinets, whatever that is, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen that's pulling the cart, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Um, It's not funny. Um, David was angry. Look at this. David was angry because the Lord's anger had... Bless you. Uzzah. (laughs) Okay. Where was I? Verse 8. Gazuntite or whatever. David was angry... Because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. So David's now angry. These names just get me. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah. Why do we keep saying? We keep saying this word Uzzah. As it is still called today. Look at verse 9. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David, which is Jerusalem, Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. All right, so what is going on in this passage, besides Uzzah is mentioned 600 times? What David is doing right now is he is going to retrieve the ark of God, which belongs to Jerusalem. It's, it's God's um, uh, way of having his presence revealed to um, mankind but the interesting thing is when they go get it they bring it back in a way that went against God's instructions and it's very interesting and then it costs this person Uzzah his life Um, I don't know if you've ever tried putting together like a a do-it-yourself project but you tried to do it without the instructions has anyone tried that and just looked at the picture on the box like I can do it The, the picture says so I've done that as well it usually, usually, for you nerds, you guys can, can do it with just looking at the box. But for me, I have to read the daggone instructions step by step, or it's going to look bad. All right? So paying attention to detail in instructions for a do-it-yourself project is so important, and especially details in our spiritual life in relation to God are so important. God cares about the details in our life. God cares about the details in our life. Once you look at the next the, the slide real quick, David and the people of Israel had good intentions, but their good intentions meant nothing to God since it was outside his will and instructions. So what were their good intentions? Their good intentions were, were bringing back the ark of God back to Jerusalem. That's great. It's the way they did it. So what I had you guys highlight was that phrase, a new cart. They basically put the Ark of the, of the Covenant on this cart, brand new, didn't mean anything to the Lord, put it on this cart, care, uh, basically pulled by oxen. And they're pulling it all the way from where they retrieved it to Jerusalem. And it's a pretty long walk. And as they're walking, look here at verse 5, David and all the people of Israel. Again, this is 30,000 troops. 
They're celebrating before the Lord, singing songs, playing all kinds of musical instruments. This, is, this looks great. They're having a parade. They're, they're going down. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem where it belongs. And they're singing. They're dancing. Ahio and Uzzah are leading the way. They're just shouting, you know, Hosanna. Well, not Hosanna. They're just shouting great, wonderful things. And, and they're leading the way. And then what happens? As they get closer, you know, sure, it's going to happen. They, the oxen stumble. And it, it, it stumbles the cart to where the Ark of the Covenant is going to fall. So what does Uzzah do? It had to be him. He steadies it and he touches the Ark of the Covenant to keep it steady. And then what happens is he drops dead. He touches it, drops dead. And it says that God killed him. Now this is interesting and quite sad. He's trying to do a good thing, steadying the Ark. And as soon as he touches it, whatever sound he made, Uzzah (laughs) says his own name. And drops dead. Okay, the band stops playing. Ohio looks around. Where's Uzzah? David stops. Everything is silent. And then look at this. Verse 8, David was angry because the Lord's anger had gone out against Uzzah. David now becomes angry. He's angry. Why? He's angry because what in the world is going on? We're bringing the ark of God back to where it belongs. And all that happened was a person steadied it because the oxen were stumbling. Why did God just kill this guy? And then everyone's freaking out like, we don't want to touch this now. It is true in Numbers chapter 4 that God said, you shall not touch the ark of the covenant. It was so holy and precious that if you did touch it, you would die. God made that clear back in Numbers. It's the way they went about doing it. Now, I have you highlight new cart on the, on the next bullet point. In verse 3, new cart basically equals a good thing done the wrong way, also known as disobedience. Now, why was this disobedient to the Lord? Why was it disobedient to the Lord? The answer is actually found in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. I'm not going to have you turn there if it's already on the screen. But the answer is in context, is found in 1 Chronicles, sorry. 1 Chronicles 15, verses 13 through 15. Let me read it real quick. David is talking. David says, Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of the Lord, our God, burst out against us. He's talking about this scene. And then in, in bold, he says, We failed to ask God how to move it properly. They didn't pay attention to detail. Then the Levites carried the Ark of God on their shoulders with its carrying poles through the holes that were on the corners of the Ark, just as the Lord had instructed Moses. Okay, now it's starting to make sense. Still seems kind of harsh that God would have to kill this guy. But David now realizes we had done something good, but the wrong way. It's still known as disobedience. It's still known as disobedience. David and the people have good intentions, but sometimes our good intentions mean nothing to God if it's outside his will. If it's outside his will. I'm going to give you an example later. But transporting this ark on a cart was against God's specific commands. And it was to be carried with poles. That's Exodus chapter 25. They were to carry it on their shoulders, holding the poles that were through the loops. You were to carry it. This, this Ark of the Covenant was only about four feet wide, about three feet high. That's all it was. It was a small box covered in gold. But they were to carry it on poles. They were not to pull, pull it on a cart. 
And the Levites were supposed to be the ones carrying it. That's in Numbers chapter 4. No other tribe was supposed to carry it except the Levites. So they missed that one as well. But the interesting thing is, where did David get the idea to pull it on a cart? The answer actually is, in previous chapters of 2 Samuel, it was from the Philistines. The Philistines would actually haul the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. They didn't know any better. They didn't care. They just knew that this was a powerful icon that they wanted to steal because they realized, oh, we could probably steal their God's power. But they pulled it on a cart. They didn't have Levites. They weren't carrying it on their shoulders. No doubt they probably touched it and didn't die. They carried it on a cart. Now, why in the world did David do the same thing? It's because he saw the enemy do it as well. He basically copied the same thing that they did. He didn't take to take, uh, pay attention to certain detail that God had already prescribed decades, centuries ago to Moses. My point in all that is what I've been saying for this past sermon. We're going to end real quick so you guys have enough time for small groups. Good intentions of us don't really mean anything to God if it's not done his way. Does that make sense? I found this interesting thing as well. We, we laugh about Uzzah and Ohio's names, bless you again, but they're the ones that drove the cart. They're the ones that were around the forefront of the Ark of the Covenant. The meaning of these two names, Uzzah and Ohio, Uzzah means strength, Ohio means friendly. And I, I, listened, I, I read this commentary, it's very interesting. Much service for the Lord is like this. You have a new cart, a big production in the parade, with strength and friendly leading the way. Yet all is done without inquiring of God or looking to his will. Surely David prayed for God's blessing on this big production, but he didn't inquire of God regarding the production itself. Thus, this was a good thing done the wrong way. He basically saw my enemies did it. I can just do it too. You see where I'm going with this in our Christian faith. Non-believers doing it, I... Probably okay with me. The Lord's blessing them, it seems like. They, they have wealth and fame. Maybe I can do the same thing as well. David missed the point. And then David and all of his house of Israel, they play music before the Lord. But this is interesting. The atmosphere was joyful, exciting, and engaging. The problem was that none of that celebration or singing pleased God because it was all in disobedience to his word. So that's my, that's my point. They were doing a good thing, praising God, and then all of a sudden this tragedy happens where someone's doing a good thing by steadying it, and God kills him right there. Now again, you have to remember this is Old Testament. It's not done the same way now in the New Testament. Thank God for grace. And there's something, you know, whenever we sin, you know, God has the, the very right to just smite us whenever. Or we ch we're choosing to, to go down the wrong path. He says, you want to do that? There's a place called hell. He gives us choice. But we're under the new covenant now. So there's grace with Jesus. But don't let that grace be a crutch for the sin that we can keep committing. So this is Old Testament. We have to remember this. But there's also an interesting point of this. Regarding worship also, we are often tempted to judge a worship experience by how it makes us feel. You ever thought about that? I'm honest. If I'm honest with myself, I, I sense the same thing for me. When we realize that worship is actually about pleasing God, we're now driven to his word so we can know how he wants to be worshiped. 
It's hard to receive it in our consumer-oriented culture, but worship isn't all about what pleases us. It's all about what pleases God. It's not how we feel. And this is what they were doing. They were doing a good thing, but the wrong way. And in that, God says, it doesn't matter how good your intentions are. If you're not following my instructions, then it's going to go the wrong way for you. Here's an example. Just a quick example, and then we're going to close, and you guys have small group time with questions. But here's one. Going to church is a good thing, right? Going to church, what you guys are doing right now, is a great thing. It's a good thing. But without reading God's word daily and have a relationship with the Lord with all of your being, which is your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then church is just a good thing the wrong way. Does that make sense? We have to get in this mentality that our culture is kind of just brushed under the carpet like, hey, church is good for you, maybe I'll go and I'll just, do, I'll just check it off my box. You know, that's not what it's all about, and people will go to church for the wrong reasons. I, I need to go because then I'll feel good about myself. Uh, maybe God will forgive me in some way just by going to church, and then everything's dandy. But see, church, just going to church for going to church for itself is a good thing, but if there's no heart behind it and there's no reading of God's words, then we're just going through the motions. It's just a good thing, but it's done the wrong way. That was never the intention of church. That's just one example I have. Something that we can think about. Maybe there's an example that you guys can talk about in your small groups of, hey, I, I, this is a good thing, but I, saw, I figured out that it was kind of the wrong way that God was telling me to. The biggest probably one that we have now gotten so bogged down in in our culture is sexual sin and pornography. Sex is a good thing that God has created, but people can do it and practice it the wrong way. God has, what God has intended as good, man can flip it around and make it evil. That's why sex is good, but it was out, when it's outside the confines of marriage between a husband and a wife, it's a bad thing. That's why pornography is evil. Many other examples that we can think of where God has something that says this is good, but man can flip it around and say, this is the way I want it to be done. David would then repent. If you want to hear the rest of the story, you can read 1 Chronicles chapter 15, the rest of the chapter. David would figure it out. That's why in this sentence he says, we failed to ask God how to move it properly. That's on us. I love how he said we. He didn't say, hey, you guys failed. He includes himself, the king. We all failed this. Levites, I need you to carry it the way you're supposed to, just as the Lord has instructed us. We didn't consider the details. We did something good, but the wrong way. In closing, a lesson learned. David may not have done everything right all the time, but when he made a mistake, and he did make mistakes, we're going to read that later in 2 Samuel, he had the humility to confess his sin and the courage to try again. I love that. That's why we're, we're studying the life of David. He was a person just like you and me. 
probably none of us are going to be king or president. Maybe some of you will. I don't know. That's kind of scary, but maybe. But even David as king made his mistakes. But what made him different than the average person that lived for the Lord is that he had the humility to confess it and then the courage to keep going. So I ask you this question before we split up. What about you? Do your good intentions come first before God's instructions? Do you try to please God your own way? And I just gave that example of church. Going to church doesn't please God if your heart's not behind it. If you're going because your parents are making you to go, I, you know, I respect that, but your heart has to own that. Are you going because you want to go? There's a difference. So as I pray, we're going to split up into our groups, and then I'm going to get some water because I'm about to choke. Um, but again, very interesting passage in Scripture that only happened once, but God uses it as an example to strengthen us and to encourage us and to convict us, to show that there are good intentions that we have as Christians. But sometimes we'll do things our own way, and it's usually not the best way. So let's pray. God, we thank you for tonight. I pray that you just go before us in our small groups, that you would challenge us, convict us, help us to open our eyes now and see things. Wow, Lord, I had these great intentions, but I was doing it the the wrong way the entire time. God, we see this example, and it's pretty strict and harsh. We know that's Old Testament, and now we live under grace, but Lord, the same thing. Romans tells us we can't just keep sinning and sinning because we're covered by grace. That is not how grace works. So God, I pray that we would all be convicted in this, that we may have good intentions, but if our heart is not behind it, and we don't follow your instructions first, then we've got it backwards. And our culture now, Lord, they have said what is bad is now good, and what's good is bad. They have reversed it. But God, your word remains the same. It is always true. Help us to remember that. And help us to look inside our heart. Lord, have I I failed you? Have I done something wrong? I didn't do it properly. Encourage us, Lord. Equip us. Help us in this, that we can combat the culture with truth from your word. Go before us in our small groups, we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.